Hello again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Jeff Kwame, your host, and I'm the Executive Director of the Connecticut Certification Board. The CCB is a not-for-profit workforce development organization whose mission is to cultivate and maintain the highest standards of professional practice within the recovery field. This podcast is in furtherance of that mission, and on behalf of the Board of Directors and the staff of the CCB, I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Scope of Practice. Counselor Magazine is a substitute professional magazine that has established itself as one of the most respected and well-known magazines on the market, boasting a total of nearly 15,000 subscribers with a total readership of nearly 45,000 professionals. It is one of the most well-established and read addiction professional magazines on the market. Over 53% of the readership has a master's degree or higher, and the staffing is even more impressive. All in, all possess postgraduate education credentials. It certainly makes it one of the most credible magazines on the market. Counselor also accepts submissions from qualified writers, allowing professionals the opportunity to reach that wide audience. The CCB has a long history with Counselor Magazine, having representation on the advisory board several years ago. And finally, it stands out for the affordable subscription price for such a quality publication. Pete Nielsen is the publisher of Counselor Magazine, as well as the chief executive officer of the California Consortium of Addiction, Profe- Addiction Programs and Professionals, uh, the anagram being uh, CCAP. He currently serves on the executive committee of the International Certification and Reciprocity Consortium as secretary. Pete received his master's degree in counseling psychology from the Western Institute of Social Research in Berkeley, California. And he has also testified to Congress in Washington, D.C., on the subject of recovery housing. Welcome to the show, Pete. Thank you very much for having me, Jeff. Appreciate it. Oh, we're glad to have you. Just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about the magazine? How like how long has it been published? A little bit about the history? Yeah, so Counselor Magazine's been around for more than 40 years. So it's one of the oldest publications in print, and it has uh, really been a staple to counselors in, in the profession and really, you know, helping them with not only their continuing education, but also to help them develop, you know, their uh, skills and, and be able to give them the latest uh, information out there on what's changing in the profession. Um You know, for me, I love Counselor Magazine because before um, I took over as publisher, I was an avid reader of the magazine and I loved it. And actually, you know, I started uh, counseling many years ago and one of the publications that I love to read because of the articles was Counselor Magazine. So I had this affinity to the magazine well before you know I became publisher. So it really was one of those dreams come true for me is being able to then usher in the next generation of counselors that could benefit from this magazine. Excellent. And, and I understand I'm a reader myself. I'm a subscriber. Um, I, I like the magazine. I like the varied content that sometimes you just never know what's going to be in there. And I, I like seeing things that I don't know a lot about and having exposure to them. And I get that through the magazine. You know, what are some of the regular columns that appear? So, you know, over time we, we've changed the columns, you know, um, but we have, you know, uh, columns. Um, so I'll give you some of the ones that we've 
um, had in the past. And then moving forward, we're going to do some different columns. So in the past, we've had counselor concerns. Uh, we've also had, you know, uh, a wellness column. We've also had, uh, you know, the JSAT uh, column. And, you know, we've, we've also had, um, you know, uh, the CCAP column's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, previously, we had an uh, ICNRC column many years ago. Um, you know, and then we had, um, we tried this experiment and it was, I believe it was, uh, it ran for about a year where we did the back half of the magazine was for uh, industry insiders, was more of a, a treatment owners and operators kind of publication. And, um, you know, when I took over the magazine, one of the things that, that uh, I wanted to do was I wanted to bring that back, but I, I'm bringing that back in a column versus a uh, uh, the back half of the magazine. Um, and also come, moving forward, we're gonna have a, uh, a column uh, for uh, recovery and, and uh, including in that is not only just recovery from addiction, but also families in recovery to also bring in that aspect as well. So, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're, um, you know, in touch with what's going on um, we also have a criminal justice column that we're, we're doing for about a year or so, and then we're going to switch out that column. We want to make sure that we touch on all the aspects that, that are important and that the readership wants, you know, and so it goes over time. It's important to, for us to stay uh, cutting edge and, and for us to stay where our, our readership wants to be as far as the information. So that changes over time. And so uh, we change uh, with it as our readership starts to say, you know what, we would like these things. And so we do a yearly survey that we send out and we find out what people like, what they don't like. And, and then we kind of modify the next year or so plus to kind of what that survey says and, and, and what we're getting out of that information. So, you know, just as anything th these days, you gotta be data driven, you know, and, and be, and look for that. And that's what we're, we respond to. No, and I agree about things having to be data driven because you want to maintain your subscribers and readership. So putting what they find interesting or important is really the key to that as opposed to, what an individual, an editor, or somebody may find to be important. It's really focused on those that read it. Uh, I do like the idea, and I, I remember the days of uh, industry insiders stuffed in the back half of the magazine, but as I look at your demographic now from the, the data that you provided me, um, I see that the overwhelming majority of your subscribers and readers are counselors or at that level where they're, they're you know, in the trenches, they're doing the hands-on work, they're helping folks directly. Um, and you, most of your content is to focus on on what your readership is. But I do think that it's also important that those uh, that are working on the front lines and, and really out there interacting with, with people get to have some insight into what it looks like um, on an administrative end. I think that's often, there's a disconnect between administration and clinical staff. And I think that this is a good way to kind of uh, touch it. Well, and, and to that point, one of the things that we've noticed in the industry that many of the individuals that eventually become leaders in, in the industry actually start out as line counselors. 
And so, you know, and, and sometimes it's their introduction uh, into some type of management is within the industry. And so I thought it was important to help increase that knowledge. Also, we have a lot of people that are not from the addiction treatment industry that are getting into the business, you know, and I felt that it compelled to make sure that they have the best information as well. If they're not from our industry, I think a lot of the mistakes and, and some of the practices have, have come for individuals coming out, out from outside the industry and coming into the industry and, and thinking that certain business practices were totally acceptable in the industry they came from, which are absolutely not uh, uh, acceptable in our industry. And I wanted to make sure that that we're not just looking out to to you know um to to say that those are bad actors but offer some education and you know what they do with that is up on them and if they have the information and they choose to do uh whatever practices they do then that is you know uh for me the definition of a bad actor but i think that if we don't start to try to educate you know uh the industry from the counselors on up to the leadership I think we're we're missing something, and and that's I think where I, I wanted to make counselor unique in that is is you know um, take that and and add that as a piece that that anybody in in the treatment center could add value to it from prevention specialists you know to uh, criminal justice specialists to you know uh, line counselors to individuals in clinical supervision or leadership or and then also peer counselors too. Mm. One of the things you said, oh, you use a word that I like, and I get a lot of negative feedback about industry. We are an industry. Um, oftentimes, individuals at the clinical level don't see it as that, but it is an industry, and how we act as organizations and as publications has a big part in how our industry operates, because it's about getting the information out there. Industry is not a bad word. No, it's but, not. And, and, you know, uh, and, and it's the same, you know, and I find that it, individuals, they, they don't call uh, what it is uh, for the professional as a profession. They call it a field. And I like the word profession. And I also like the word industry. And, and I think that it is. It, it is a business. And, you know, it, here's one of the things that, that I struggle with is, and I struggled when I used to run treatment facilities, So I'd get people come in and they say, I just want to make a difference and I just want to, to do good. And I'm like, are you here for a counselor position? And I said, yes. And I says, are you understanding that this is a paid position? Yeah, but I just want to do good. Well, I'll give you a volunteer application and, you know, because the, the, it's okay that to acknowledge in, in our industry and in our profession that, you know, we do, we have special special skills and ability that we get paid for, and that's okay. And we can also do good, but we also have to be very genuine and honest that we we do we do want to make money in what we do. I mean, that is part of being a professional. Same thing with doctors. It doesn't diminish their 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 uh, capacity of being a doctor if they say, you know, I want to to make money, but I also want to do good. I mean, many doctors do that, and we're okay in that profession. But you know what? We have a long ways to go in this profession. There's this shame factor that I don't know where it comes from that where, where you know, money is bad and you can't uh, want to progress in your profession. 
you know, to be honest, I want the counselor that wants to progress in the profession, that wants to do the best and be the best. That's who I want, you know. Do I want the heart surgeon that only wants to, you know, that, that does heart surgery occasionally and doesn't really care about <laughs> his tradecraft? Or do I want somebody that's passionate and does everything they can to help better themselves? That's who I want, is the one that's always progressing and developing themselves and their skill set. And I think that when you look at, um, workforce development, we do want those best, we do want those hard workers, and they should be rewarded with a, with a, uh, a salary or payment that helps them live a good life. We all have bills to pay. And, and this field doesn't always cover those bills. I know a lot of people with second jobs uh, and third jobs. Who, um, who are some of the authors that you use most often? Is any names that people would recognize? Yeah, so some of the ones that you, um, you know, um, you may notice is Mel Paul, Mark Sanders, yep. uh, Dr. Uh, uh, David Smith, um, you know, as well as, um, you know, Don uh, Meachenbaum, uh, uh, David Mee Lee, and um, those are just the some uh, Robert Ackerman mm -hmm. is another one. Also, uh, Terry Gorski, uh, before he passed, he, he contributed, you know, um, and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, other authors that, um, are just brilliant in yeah. in our profession, um, have contributed over the years. There's so many that, that those are just the highlights, yeah. but I probably missed, uh, two, 300 of just, uh, amazing uh, um, professionals that are really industry leaders and um, have made significant value to um, our uh, profession as a whole. And I think Mel, uh, Mel Pohl, Mark Sanders are names that people recognize because they're speaking all the time around the country because of the quality of what they're able to do. Um, uh, Dr. Mee Lee as well is another very common name. Since the passing uh, of Terry Gorski, um, you and I know a, a, a Terry Gorski disciple in Arthur Trundy who may be able to write for you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a sad thing, you know. Um, it's that generational gap, you know, um, that that I think that uh, the you know the, the counselors coming out now they don't really recognize some of the leaders in the past that that have been significant uh terry gorski was one of the ones that really had a, an amazing um look at how you know not only just relapse but also about uh denial and um and looking at some of the other things um, you know, and some of the other co-authors he's had that that looked into, you know, African-American relapse prevention and treatment and also pain management. And he has some really uh, good material that I think has been lost. And, you know, one of the books that, that when you ask people as to, to name your favorite book of Terry Gorski, it's not the one that I would think of. It's actually the book that... Uh, got supplanted in AA many years ago. It's called Staying Sober that he wrote, you know, for individuals. And actually for many individuals, they they actually read that material over the the AA approved literature. So, you know, um, and that we're actually doing a tribute to Terry Gorski and we're gonna bring some of those individuals that 
uh, read some of his early uh, works and actually how it benefited them in their recovery. And then we have the um, professional aspect, and we're going to talk about, you know, the other individuals um, that has impacted them professionally, meaning one of them being Bob Tyler, who um, is instrumental in California, um, you know, in, in, uh, as far as relapse prevention and, and has been, uh, very, you know, um, active in that and actually bringing, uh, Terry Gorski's work, um, to the students in California. So he's one of the few that I know that are bringing it to the students. He has a book called enough already, and he's been, you know, actually he takes a, a pieces of Terry's work and, you know, but other than that, I don't know a lot of introduction in, in today's um, curriculum, uh, you know, with, with the future counselors that have that. And I think that, that some of that stuff is lost and, you know, hopefully there might be a resurgence, um, you know, with this extra attention. And, and I would hope, you know, I know that I'm going to, you know, take this as an opportunity with my sphere of influence to start to kind of uh, build another movement. Cause I think it was really good work. And, and I think that, um, there's an opportunity to bring some of that back. And you know what? I mean, if you if you be if you're in this profession and this industry long enough, what is old is new again. So Absolutely. it will come around. And I think that that's the power of, of the press and of the publication that we have a history. Not all of it is positive, like anything else, but we have a history. And it's important that people know that history and know what was done. Now, we've seen the Gorski model kind of go by the wayside for many people. But just because it may not be a fit for for the for many of the new folks that are coming into treatment or into recovery doesn't mean that people shouldn't have an understanding of it because it's still a very viable uh, plan and process for some individuals. So I think we, as we look at new, we often forget the history. And I know that we're, we're trying to, we look at multiple pathways. Well, the old pathways are still part of that multiple pathways. And it doesn't mean they're bad. It's, it's, if it will help somebody, we should know it. And that's the power of the, of the magazine where you can put that out there and bring things to people's attention again. Absolutely. Um, one thing I think it's, gets misunderstood is I don't know if individuals really understand what a publisher does. I think they the idea of a publisher and editor are, are often get tied together and they're not the same. Yeah, and it, it's funny because uh, before I was in this role, I didn't really understand what it is anyway. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's a very interesting uh, story on, you know, um, how we got the magazine, you know. So uh, CCAP has had a partnership with Counselor Magazine for many, many years. It's probably 15 plus. And so what we did is we would give out the magazine to all of our members. So all of our members, part of their membership, they would get Counselor Magazine. And, you know, that's how I got introduced to it. And, and, and it, it was just a great service to uh, the members of CCAP. And, um, you know, one day uh, I was talking with the, the owners and they said, we want to talk with you and have a serious conversation. And first thing I thought of was, what did I do wrong? You know, that's always, you know, did I say something? I offend somebody, you know. Uh, if you've been so, around long enough, that's your first thought. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> so, uh, so we have a conversation. We sat down and, um, you know, um, 
we look at, you know, uh, and said, you know, there's an opportunity for SeaCap uh, to take over the magazine. What do you think about that? Um, I was with uh, my my business uh, development um, at the time director, and and uh, and we we thought about it, and you know, um, and we looked at it and and said, you know, this is something that I think is is really a good thing, and our members already love it anyways, and and. Um, so when we went back to the table and I said, okay, so here's the deal. Um, my uh, uh, business development uh, director, myself, we said, you know, we will take on the magazine, but here's going to be our commitment to the best of our ability. We're going to keep it in print, you know, and, um, you know, I, uh, I could have fell into the role of the chief editor. I kept on the previous um, uh, chief editor and the editor, um, because I didn't want that role, not from that industry. Um, you know, so my role is really the overall vision and and direction of the magazine as a publisher. Um, I don't know if that's fully what traditional publishers, Mm -hmm. that's the role that I decided to take in the magazine because I wanted to honor what was done in the magazine in the past, but I also wanted to propel it, propel it into the future. And I also wanted to make sure that we uh, didn't miss opportunities. One of the things that, that uh, Council Magazine has struggled is coming into the digital age because they started out in print. And I said, I can bring this into the digital age. Um, I, I have no problem with that. That's, that's easy for me. Um, one, because I, don't have I don't have any attachment to um, you know to 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 any of the previous thinking so I can move things in a different direction and so within three months we moved counselor um, to an online format that fit for everybody so there was an online format but it was in in really a magazine format that still struggled and people struggled to, to digest it and you know the format for these days, is a very quick snapshot of, of, of what you want. I mean, if you look at any of the magazines or anything now, it's a very quick snapshot on what, um, you know, uh, what information you're trying to get. So I think that, that I brought that forth rather than putting the whole magazine, if you want the whole magazine, you, you can subscribe to it and you can have it in digital print or you can have it in uh, traditional, um, uh, but you can also have this quick version, which our newsletter lends to that. So I brought into a different format where, where it just expanded our uh, readership, you know, um, to about a hundred thousand uh, people in in that smaller format where you didn't you, you got some of the latest articles, but you got all of some of the recirculated recirculated articles as well, and then some other. Uh, related blogs and things like that. So it, it really put it into another format. And some of the magazines um, that were traditionally in print that just left um, and went to online only, they actually um, are doing that format. So I wanted to, you know, because that's a definitely successful format, but I wanted to stick with other things. So, you know, I, I, I really, and I also find my role as the publisher evolving over time um, as I'm looking at, you know, the direction of the magazine, where we will take it into the future, you know, because I think that there's 
many other things you can do with something like Counselor Magazine and it to be actually very helpful. So being more interactive is something where we strive to for the future. So my role as publisher is really going to take on a different role as we move it into more of an interactive and more of a connective um, uh, publication. One of the things that you mentioned is what kind of goes right into my next question is, one of the things that I find interesting about the magazine is not only that it's offered in print, but the quality of the printed product stands out. There are a couple of other uh, print magazines that are that to cut costs have gone to thinner paper and, and the quality's not there. Counselor Magazine is par, is like a journal in terms of you keep it, it's meant to be held on to, to create your own library. Um, it's just when you feel it, it, it's a high quality publication. And I think that's lost um, a lot in, in publishing. Um, so I like the idea that you didn't go online only. Uh, I like getting the magazine, but I also like the online where you'll, I can look just the last one I saw referencing an older article. Oh, I want to look at that and, and catch up to it. Um, when we talk about guest submissions, and I think that some of our listeners would may, you know, have an interest in that. What are the kind of things that you look for? Any specific hot topic at this time? Well, I think, you know, we, we do have, we, we roll out our editorial calendar for the year and we, we look for topics, but I think what we, what I really look for is something that's well-written, something where, where the, the author is, is knowledgeable about, and it's well-researched and cited. You know, those are the things, you know, um, it, it, it's okay, you know, to um, submit a topic that may, may not be, um, you may not hear a lot, but that's how you start different thoughts and processes is, is you know, we've, we actually, um, and I can't remember the name of the article, but um, um, it really had one of the best reactions that I've heard in years as far as an article. And it wasn't a topic that anybody knew about. And I couldn't tell you the name, um, but it's when people are sensitive to uh, certain sounds. And, you know, and that article, you know, so many people related to that. And so many people uh, thanked us for publishing that article, which it was something that they knew clients uh, uh uh, were had or that that um, them themselves had where where you know certain sounds just drove them you know just just to the brink of insanity and you know and, and how that it's never talked about and and what what that you know means and I, I was like so you know there are things that come across my desk where might not be the hot topic at the time but that's how you create new hot topics yeah. it, is is you start to look and say let's 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 look at this thought because I don't think this thought's out there uh, very much you know what I don't want to do is stay on that topic train and 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 then only um, I'm I'm saying everything everybody else is and I'm having the same articles um, or the same public the, the same authors that every other publication is having, we just have a different, you know, spin on it, but it's really the same thought. And, and I think that's the same thing that happens at conferences. You get the same people that have been. So if you go to one conference in that year, you'll actually hear all the presenters and you don't need to go to another conference because they're just going to be on the same circuit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't want the magazine to become that. So we, we do keep it open and we like to 
kind of uh, push the the profession and the field forward a little bit and kind of move not just uh, uh, just to uh, current trends. And the thing about trends is is a lot of times our industry is behind the curve in a trend. You know, we're, we're on this thing called the opioid crisis. It's not a new topic. It's no, not a new topic at all. On the East Coast, it's over 60 years old, almost 70. And, <laughs> and, and people are like, we're going to write a fresh article on it. Yeah. Well, I bet you I can recirculate some articles that have been around for some while that are, that are just as current because yeah. it's not necessary. You know, I like the idea of having the research and having to cite things. Um, I remember an article many years ago in um, in Counselor, it was, it was a, an opinion article, but it wasn't stated clearly as an opinion article, although the, uh, the title told it. It was why I work in methadone maintenance. And it was a, a woman talking about why she does what she does at this clinic that she does. And it's a private clinic. And everything that she described was way outside of best practices in client safety. Um, and so I, I wrote a letter to Robert Ackerman saying, you got to identify these things as, as, as specifically as opinion only, because people will take that as the law or as the rule. And what she was doing, a publicly funded you know, methadone maintenance program couldn't do that. An OTP couldn't do those things and still receive you know, Medicaid funding and things like that. Um, and then I got an email back from said we should have done a better job of just saying it was an opinion, you know. And it was in. I appreciate her perspective, but but I like I like articles that are based on on things, and that's important. Um, I I'd be remiss if I didn't offer you the opportunity to talk to our listeners about how to subscribe. This is your chance, Pete. Make your pitch. <laughs> So you can, the best way to go is, is to go on our website and, you know, that's counselormagazine.com and uh, there's an opportunity for you to subscribe. You can subscribe to the newsletter, you can subscribe to the online only, or you can subscribe to the print, or you can do print and online and, you know, it's very affordable uh, to be able to do that. And I think, you know, if anything, we have some articles that are on there for free, read them. The other thing that I think that is great with Counselor Magazine is in many states, um, you can read Counselor Magazine and you can get free CEUs. And who doesn't love free CEUs? You know, so that's always a, a, a help too. You know, you read the information and you get CEUs with it. And I think that for many people um, that uh, may not want to sit online and do another Zoom uh, training or something. It might just be a breath of fresh air, uh, air to you know uh, have a magazine and just read that without having any any digital contact or any screen time. So there's you know an opportunity you know and it's it's I'll tell you, um, Counselor Magazine is one of those things that that has a long shelf life. I see people pass that magazine on for many, many years. Mm. So I wrote an article 10 years ago and somebody says, I read your article. And I'm like, what's the name of the article you read? I haven't, it was a, you know, and they says it's this article. And I'm like, when did you, when did you read that? Oh, just recently somebody passed it on to me. So it was a 10 year old publication that people are still passing on. And I think that that is something that's really great about that. And, and it's kind of like, you know, owning your own DVD, which is almost unheard of th these days, yeah. or CDs, 
where you can pass that, you know, to somebody, hey, check this out, you know, and that's the great thing about Counselor Magazine is once you read it, you can pass it on and we yeah. want you to pass it on. And, and, and I think that's the great thing. So, you know, you can subscribe for a very uh, uh, low fee and, and be able to, and, or you can uh, join with one of our partners and you can get a subscription included, uh, CCAP being one of them, but there's other partners as well. Um, and I also would, would say too, is we have lots of opportunities for those um, out there that, you know, want to advertise, you know, with COVID, um, you know, there's not a lot of conferences going on. There's a lot online, but you get more bang for your buck as far as advertising with us than you would, you know, because you get online and you get print and it stays around. So that's, that's, that's my pitch. And thank you, Jeff. For <laughs> You're welcome. And, and I can tell you that, that, uh, in, in, for our board, we are going to look at a closer relationship with counselor magazine because of what it, uh, of, of the quality of it. You know, and just to follow up for that subscription information, go to www.counselormagazine.com. Just the reasonable price itself in today's market uh, it is a reason to to consider sub subscribing. Um, I subscribe to two trade magazines. Um, I subscribe to Counselor and I subscribe to Alcoholism and Drug Abuse Weekly because they're two very different things, and they give me different views. They give me a, a insider view industry stuff in alcohol and drug abuse weekly and then i get different some of that and but it's much more eclectic in counselors so i subscribe to two uh and i certainly recommend it to others uh is there anything that you'd like to add while we have you well i just it's very want... early there i know that yes yes <laughs> it is uh but i had lots of coffee so i'm ready so i just have to add that you know I am really uh, grateful for Jeff, you uh, uh, let me be on the podcast and, and I'm grateful to be able to, uh, you know, let people know about the magazine that hasn't heard about the magazine. And yes, it's been around for 40 years, but that doesn't mean everybody has heard of it. And there's a, a whole pool of people that have not been exposed to Counselor Magazine. So if anything that I'd like to carry on is, you know, um, you know, if, if it's not for you, pass it on to somebody else or pass on the information. And, um, you know, if, uh, if it's something that, uh, you think that interests you, please, you know, get, give it a try, look at the free stuff, you know, free is always good. So, you know, and I just, the other thing too, is I just wanted to everybody stay healthy and safe in, you know, uh, in the current, uh, environment today. And, uh, thank you for having me, Jeff. You're welcome, and stay safe yourself and all my friends and colleagues in California, um, and we're glad you were able to take some time with us. I'd like to thank our guest today, Pete Nielsen, publisher of Counselor Magazine. We are recording very early on Pacific time, so I appreciate him getting up early and making the time to talk to us with his very busy schedule. That's going to do it for this episode of Scope of Practice. We here at the Connecticut Certification Board appreciate everyone who's listening. And don't forget to follow us on Podbean, iTunes, Amazon, or your favorite podcast application. Until next time. <laughs>